señorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and say This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Amy Chan, the author of Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart. You've been through a breakup. You feel like you'll never be able to live without that person. Amy offers a weekend intensive program that right now she's doing online virtually during the pandemic, where you just get real with yourself and you realize why you're feeling the way you're feeling, why you date the people that you date, and how finding self-love is the ultimate goal before you're going to find a relationship. And this week, I'm sipping on Tainted Love, a margarita that I made up. It's my favorite Tanteo jalapeno tequila, fresh mint, strawberry, and you got to cut the strawberries into hearts just so it's on theme. Now I'm going to try to pitch this to Tanteo. Here is my episode with Breakup Bootcamp's Amy Chan. Your book, Amy, I honestly, like, I knew I only had 30 minutes with you. So I was like, I need to stop reading because I have like five pages of notes and I know I'm just going to be frustrated that I can't bring all of this up. That's how good it is. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Is it your first book? It's my first book. Yeah. I can't believe that's your first book. How much research time went into this book? A lot. I mean, I think all my heartbreaks is probably the the hardest part. And I had to dig back into, you know, my, all of my relationships, my relationship with my dad. So there was parts, it was so intense. I had to like, just stop. Um, but yeah. And I, because I have my breakup bootcamps, I'm constantly around all these different experts. So I just took the top tools that I knew worked. And I'm like, we got to put that in there. It's fantastic. And we are very similar. We both went through tough times, like hard circumstances and, kind of found our purpose through that. And now we both wrote a book to help the women that went through what we went through. Um, and maybe we didn't have this guide, but now there is a guide. So I related to it so much, losing your identity when you talked about women put so much into the relationship and this is my boyfriend and this is my identity. So it's not so much that that man is gone, it's you're mourning the loss of your identity. And I relate to that so much. I wrote my book about my depression and my eating disorders that all came when I lost my identity of playing soccer and my whole life I played. And then when I went to college, I wasn't playing much. So I quit. And then it was like, who am I now? Everything spiraled down because it was the identity that I was losing. And that's what resonated me with your book. So many women just connect to the relationship and identify so much with that, that you're actually mourning I think you said like your sacred relationship plan not working out versus the actual person you were dating. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I we I work with people and we they're like so upset and obsessive over their ex. And when we peel back the layers, we're like, they're, we realize like they didn't even like them as a person that much, <laughs> right. but they are, they're mourning that plan, right? And I think a lot of women were socialized from a very young age. I know for me, like the fairy tales of Romeo and Juliet, these love stories where, that set you up to think that this is what success is. And to me, I thought I was living the dream. And to me, I was dating to get married by age 14 date to get married, right? That was my goal. And when I was on track for that, I was like, yeah, I'm living the life. And uh, when that relationship 10 years ago fell apart, I was like, well, who the hell am I? I've been priming myself to be the perfect girlfriend, to be the perfect wife. And without that, then who the hell am I? And, you know, but I think just like you, you know, that, that breakup and you had a breakup with kind of your, your life's work of this, you know, of being a pro athlete. You know, it's a shakeup you need to redirect your life. It's to, I have a blank canvas now. You know, what, what is important to me? What life do I want to create? 
Exactly. And it's not like you, uh, you said in the book, you almost, you contemplated suicide. Like that's how down you were. I want, I wanted to get into that too. I feel like we have very similar personalities. I'm very much a perfectionist. I'm first born. And when a relationship doesn't work out, I mean, obviously I've had breakups and it did make me think about a relationship I had in college that I was holding onto that I knew was like a toxic relationship the star athlete. And I ah. identified with that and I held on to it for too long because it was my identity. When you said, you know, you found out your ex was cheating, you went through his phone, you were falling on the ground in a ball. What you were describing is exactly how I take things that, you know, like a loss or my perfect plan, not going that way. Do you think it's because we have similar personalities and perfectionists or through your work, have you found out that that's typical for most women when they go through a breakup to hit the ground and be knocked down like that? It's not, it's typical if you don't know the tools and you think that the pain isn't going to go away and you don't think that you have the resiliency to get back up. Um, After I learned how to heal and the tools, I'm not afraid of opening up my heart because what's someone going to do to me? It doesn't matter. I I will love deeply. I will love with everything. But if there was a breakup, if there was a life pivot, I will be okay. Cause I know essentially I am safe. I am okay. I generate my own love. Mm-hmm. And you know, this whole perfectionist um, behavior, it's a coping mechanism. And it comes from a root belief that's developed at a very young age of I'm not enough. Right. And a very young age, um, you, I know that I, I learned that the way that I got attention and love was when I got good grades. And so you forget why you have that belief, but that belief sticks around and that's the programming that ends up driving the way that you feel, the way that you behave in life. And so, yeah, I, I'm an overachiever, mm-hmm. you know, a recovering overachiever. Yeah. And I now really stop myself of like, what am I putting my identity on? Because, you know, some people do it to their relationships. Uh, women are socialized to do that, but then it can go to other things. It could be to work achievements. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I, you know, after the pandemic hit, I kind of went through this thing where I was like, well, I'm not producing. I'm not, you know, doing this. I'm not doing enough. And I, I had a really hard time. Yes. And I'm like, I'm doing that same thing. I'm putting my identity on something outside of myself. Yep. And so my whole goal is how can I keep feeding my soul so that no matter who I'm dating or what I'm doing with work, I still have a foundational, you know, you know, peace and love that's in me. That's not going to be rocked. Yes. And that's what you said. It's like finding self-love. The goal after a breakup isn't to find a new partner. <laughs> it's to find self-love. And I think something else you said, how do you expect to find someone that loves you just as you are when you don't? Exactly. And when you put it like that, it's like, yeah, like if your relationship is struggling, maybe look at yourself, look inward and like what you need to work on um, in you and not so much the relationship. You also brought up childhood. That was so like mind blowing too. Like the relationship ending hurts because it's bringing up something like unsettled from your childhood. And again, it's not that person who you're not seeing anymore. It's really the breakup is bringing up something from your past. And you kind of like disconnect when you have a breakup, you're like, I don't, it's him and I'm not going to see him anymore. But when you look at it, it's not the person it's bringing up something from your past. And I never thought about it like that until your book. Yeah. It's ripping off the bandaid. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like when I was like spiraling to depression and I was like blaming and vilifying my ex and like how unjust life was, yep. um, it wasn't, you know, until after I kind of got through it and went on to the other side that I realized that it was a bandy that got ripped off. And then I now had to deal with 
all of the heartbreak, starting with the one with my father. Yeah. And then the compound trauma that added up because I never dealt with any of the pain from anything else. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that um, sometimes it's, it's, it's not just about the ex, it's recycled pain. Yes. And I think too, um, the person that you're dating, I, there are so many great things like your physical chemistry um, attracts you to them, but that fades. And I think you said like around like two years, that's not there anymore. And I learned a new word limerence, um, the infatuation with that person and almost like idealizing every good thing about them, looking over other things because of the physical chemistry you have. And again, it's like the dopamine you get from being in a relationship and seeing it progress. And it's like, we're engaged and it's not really the person it's again, your plan and your identity uh, moving through the stages of a relationship that you're mourning. It's not really the person. And I never thought about it that way. It's like, I'm not going to find anyone else. And that was my person. It has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with you and like what you went through in childhood. And you talk about rumination, like you dwell on it because you go down the rabbit hole. I think you said feeding the monster. Yes. Like you'll, you'll break up with someone and you'll be on their Instagram and like, why are they not having the pain that I'm having? And you're making you're like prolonging the process and not letting yourself heal. And I feel like I did that too. Like we get, like you said, there's, you get dopamine out of rumination, which is so crazy. Right. It's, you know, um, Trish, who's our anxiety coach, she calls it emotional cutting. And yeah. so it's just like, all right. And you do, you, you know, that's why people cutters cut themselves because yeah. they actually get endorphins and these get these chemicals that give them a fix. And so when you're after a breakup, when you're like scrolling on your Finsta on their Instagram <laughs> right. feed, um, this isn't because they're so amazing. It's because your body's craving dopamine yes. and it's trying to get that cheap hit. And so you need to be strategic and proactive with creating a, a strategy and a plan of what you're going to do to get those chemicals in a healthy way. That might mean you get you you create an empowering fantasy i'm working with someone right now uh where i'm like okay you need to stop directing your energy onto this person and what should have and shouldn't happen and now get obsessed over something empowering something you have control over yes. and he's now diving into music and playing instruments and we've given him a deadline and so you know now he can just focus on that because that's an empowering fantasy he can control that yes and channeling your obsessive nature into something a little more positive <laughs> than yes. feeding the emotional monster. And I love what you said too, about how looking at your um, past relationships as bridges, if you could talk about that and trusting the whole process, like if it, your plan may have been devastated, but opening yourself up to trust the process of like what's coming next. Yeah. The majority of people we date will not be our destination. Right. They were, they were meant to be a bridge. Um, and I think every relationship is an opportunity for us to learn the lesson, uh, the lesson, so that we don't keep repeating the same pattern and, and crossing that same bridge over and over again. Um, and then once we learn what the patterns are, we can then shift it degree by degree. And we can create what's called a, you know, a healthier a chemistry compass. I talk about this in the book. Our mm -hmm. chemistry compass is our internal GPS. It's and that's kind of pointing us into the direction of who we're drawn to and who we're repelled by. And if you didn't have a healthy model of what love looks like and felt like growing up, you are going to have chemistry with people who can wound you in a very similar way. Our psyche tries to recreate the scenario of the crime in an attempt to change its ending. And so the people might look very different, but the emotional experience is the same. So until you can kind of get to that wound and heal it, you're going to keep repeating it over and over again. 
and I think you said in the book that your brain, like you gravitate towards the same type of people because it, you feel like a homeostasis there. Like you're used to dating somebody that makes you feel that way. So even if that relationship ended, you're going to end up with someone else that way because that's kind of how you're used to be in a relationship. And I think you also said it kind of um, gives credibility to who you say you are in relationships. Like I'm this way because you always date the same type of guy. And it's like bringing you back to a homeostasis that just kind of feels comfortable, even though it's like almost dangerous for you. <laughs> totally. I mean, that's why when you look at uh, people who are in abusive relationships, um, people can, you, you know, they can get the support to get out of it, but they on average go back to their abuser seven times because their homeostasis is one of chaos and abuse. Mm. And so we human beings were drawn to what's familiar. So if growing up, you know, you had a household that was chaotic where you had to earn the love and affection of your primary caregiver. That's familiar to you. Yeah. And so you will be drawn to people who give you that same emotional experience because you feel safe there because it's familiar. Right. Thinking of the pandemic, like I'm just imagining if someone was going through a breakup right before this happened, like how it would just be so easy to get back into that relationship and reach back out because you're feeling lonely. If someone is going through a, a breakup, has been broken up, but maybe is missing that person because they are isolated in a pandemic. Like, what do you tell that person? Don't pick up the phone, right? <laughs> Don't confuse missing someone with, oh, it's a good idea for me to get back together with that person. And don't rationalize that. No, no, no. I'm just going to send a text like, hey, how are you? You don't care how they're doing. <laughs> Right. You're not, you're, you're putting out a tether to see if you can open it up again, because even though, you know, on a cognitive level that it's not a good idea, you're going to rationalize ways to kind of contact them. So that's why you need to create that proactive strategy more than ever right now during a pandemic and, you know, have your tribe of people that you can go to. So when you're getting that kind of craving, right. And those cravings on average, they last between 20 to 30 minutes. And so if you can distract yourself and do something that feeds your soul uh, for those 20 to 30 minutes, then you won't give into it and it becomes easier through time. Yeah. And I think you said too, like when you're doing those things, you're reaching out or just looking at their social media, you're still in a relationship with that person <laughs> until yeah. you cut that tie, which I'm making it sound so easy. And it's so hard to do because it's just like you said, is what you're used to. And you want to know if they're hurting as much as you are, but you're still in a relationship with that person broken up or not. Cause they're in your mind all the time. They're occupying mm -hmm. your obsessive nature. And like you said, you got to channel that obsession somewhere else. I, I wrote about in my book when I lost that identity. I've dealt with bulimia, uh, anorexia, depression, and it takes over your whole, like your soul. Mm. That's all you think about, especially like with bulimia. And I channel, it doesn't sound like a positive thing, especially probably with you with relationships, but I channeled that obsession into like dating my now husband. And mm. I, everybody will ask like, when did you stop um, your eating disorders? And I don't remember like a day that it stopped, but I know that my obsession was channeled elsewhere. And then I was worried about, you know, is he cheating on me? Like, am I, 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 all my obsession went to the relationship and the eating disorder fell away. And then I had to obviously channel my <laughs> insecurities with dating. But like you said, it's energy and pain that you're feeling is energy and the energy is moving. You just got to kind of guide it towards something else. And I think like with you and I, we used our pain and we channeled it towards a positive thing. And while we went through all that drama and trauma in our life and we didn't know what it was for, now we know what it was for. And had we not gone through it, we wouldn't be here writing the guide to help other women 
through it. And this is why we suffered. This is the purpose of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the breakup is a shakeup. You need to redirect your life. Right. And yes. you might not know it th at the time. And it's, it's hard to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, especially when you're going through it for the first time. Um, but yeah, channeling that energy, because if you don't, especially after a breakup, you have to think about it, right? Like you've devoted so much time, energy, and headspace in the relationship. And if you have codependent tendencies, I mean, draw your pie, write down your circle, how much of that pie was devoted to the relationship. I work with people and that slice of pie was 80%, 90% devoted to the we. So of course, afterwards, you have 90% of a slice of pie that you've got to fill up. And if you're not proactive with filling it up with other things, you're going to fill it up with thoughts of your ex. Yeah. And it also is important that when you are in a relationship to have that balance because disempowerment happens, uh, you know, death by a thousand cuts. It's not like you're like, oh, you know, I'm an empowered, independent woman today. And, you know, I have hobbies and I have my alone time and my friends and I'm just going to sign up to be completely codependent and put my entire identity on this person. It doesn't <laughs> right. happen that way. It happens like, you know what? I'm not going to do that, that meet up with my friends. You know, I'm not going to do that hiking trip I wanted to do. Slowly we lose ourselves and then we get to a place where the very foundation we're standing on is this relationship. So no wonder if it yeah. breaks apart, you feel like the rug has been ripped out from underneath you. Yeah. And you just see it surface level. You're like this guy was all these things, but it's not, it's like the plan and all the time you put into it is now gone. And where do you start now for someone that is going through a breakup or feels like they are ready to try to move forward? Can you talk about your renew um, breakup bootcamp? Yeah. So I host retreats um, before the pandemic, they're physical retreats. Uh, right now they're virtual and we bring in 13 different experts from psychologists to behavioral scientists to sex educators, even a dominatrix who teaches on the psychology of power dynamics. Yeah. Um, and we help people not only process the pain of what they're going through, but to also address the compound trauma and to understand what are the beliefs that are ruling your life? Because until we can shift those, the behavior is going to eventually just be the same and your outcomes are going to be the same. So we teach the tools of how do you identify why are those core beliefs that's causing you to be an overgiver, an overachiever, to put your identity into someone else, and then to start shifting that degree by degree. Okay. Can you talk about too, like, obviously we know the breakup from your story, like how you opened yourself up to dating, like the person that you're with now or yeah. what that was like? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so things started to change for me when I started my business four years ago. Um, okay. The anxiety I would have about dating kind of started to subside a bit because yeah, I had this new thing to get obsessed over, which was building this business. <laughs> right. And now I was like, not just wanting to be someone's plus one. I'm like, no, I'm, you know, you can be my plus one. Exactly. I'm building my thing. Right. Yes. And so that started to shift then and really just addressing a lot of my core wounds of, you know, my whole life, I, my core wound was like, I'm not safe. And so I was, I would get into relationships that would really just keep brushing up against this anxiety and this feeling and fear I would be abandoned or rejected. And I had to learn how to become more secure in my attachment style, learn how to generate safety on my own, learn the tools so that I knew that if I was to open my, up my heart and I was to get hurt, I would be okay. I wouldn't mm -hmm. fall apart into a million pieces because now I was armed with the knowledge and the wisdom and the tools. And so, you know, when I met my partner, 
someone actually tried to sign us up a year before and I said no. And yeah. it just shows, like I said, I was wanting a relationship, but subconsciously I wasn't. I wasn't making decisions that was actually aligned with what I said that I want. And, you know, um, when I met my partner, I, I was actually coming out of a heartache. I, I met someone, I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy's amazing. I, it was super, you know, intense. And then that, um, that didn't work. Um, he pulled away and I just stopped. I was like, it's not my job to do his work for him. Right. I'm not going to wait here and fix him and hope that things are going to change. And then I remember this moment, I was in front of my mirror and I was just crying. I was in so much pain. And I was like, like, I mean, this is unfair. Like I help people. Why is this happening to me? And it was in that moment. I remember this quote. I tell the people who come to break up camp. Our greatest lesson in this lifetime is to practice opening our hearts, even when it hurts, especially when it hurts. And I was like, screw this. I am not going to put a wall around my heart because I'm hurt. I know that I can get through this. I'm going to open up my heart even bigger. I went on a dating app and I swiped on my now partner. And, you know, before I went on that date, I just didn't take, put on this pressure. Like, is he the one I'm just like, my only intention is, have fun, be curious. And that was it. And, you know, uh, you know, I didn't even recognize it was romantic chemistry right away. Our date was eight hours and it wasn't until like, you know, hour seven, I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Because sometimes on a cognitive level, you might not process it as romantic chemistry Mm -hmm. just yet. So I think it's important for anyone who's dating to not dismiss people because they don't feel this immediate thing right away. Yes. And that's the pressure was off. It was, it's like when you go on a date, you're like, all right. I mean, I would know in like the first couple of minutes, like if you had the chemistry, like take the pressure off, let go of that chemistry and see like what unveils. And I think a lot of people will hold on to an okay relationship because they know, like, I like this guy because they feel like they're not going to find someone else. Like that would be so scary. Like I'm married. I've been with my husband for 15 years. I can't imagine like another person you know, we fight all the time, but like, I think you just feel like, you know, this is good enough. This is, I'm not going to find someone better almost like, and then you think about your age, like I'm almost Mm. 40 and you almost sell yourself short and you don't open yourself up to what you could find because you feel like it's too late or I'm not, maybe I should just settle for the relationship I'm in because this is what a relationship is supposed to be or supposed to feel like. So you never find, never open your heart up to that next experience but you got on a dating app after that break (laughs) and look and it worked out yeah and you know I do caution people you know not to go on a dating app to avoid their feelings right I think that if this was me five years ago and I went on a dating app right away it was actually rooted in a place of distraction and avoiding feeling my feelings but I think after doing so much work on myself and knowing that I could get back up this was a matter of like wow, I really can open up my heart and I am completely safe and okay that I can weather any storm. Yeah. I think too, um, while I have you, I wanted to ask too about just building your brand that you've built. You had to find yourself, come out of that breakup. For anyone that's listening that is trying to build something like that, do you have any advice um, just for the woman that is starting a brand, um, how you did it, how this successful book for somebody that may be doubting that they could do it? Yeah. I mean, okay. The first time I wrote about relationships was, um, about 
I don't know, 15 years ago. And it was again, because of a heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wrote a blog on my MySpace at the time and um, people liked it. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm a writer. And so I pitched that piece to probably over a hundred publications. I got either, most of them ignored me. Some said, you're, you don't have credentials to be a writer. Um, And I was like, I'm just going to keep going. And I had this idea of a hundred, um, you just try a hundred times. You just need one. Yes. And I got yeah. one. Yes. And it was a Vancouver local newspaper that gave me a shot. And after a while, I was able to get a regular column with them, but you know, my book has been in the making for a very long time. So I didn't know, was I going to write a book? Was I going to create a community? I didn't know any of those things. I just knew that I love understanding relationships, journaling about it, sharing my experience, because I knew that if maybe someone else could feel a little less alone in what they're going through and a little more understood, maybe my pain was worth it. So I just did what I loved. And so, you know, I would tell anyone, just do what you love, put yourself out there, stop hiding, write that blog, you know, do that video post. Um, You don't need to know right now what it's going to turn out, how you're going to sell it, how you're going to market it. Just Mm -hmm. put yourself out there. I think it's imposter syndrome. Like people are like, who would want to read this? Like, I I don't have the credentials. And like, for me, I self-published my book. I've written for Scary Mommy. I've written for bigger publications, but I didn't have a publisher. Like, I guess selfishly, like, how did you get your book published? Like your first book? Yeah, I think it started with, I wrote, so I had, a, I wrote my own blog mm-hmm. um, and I've had a blog for over 10 years. So it's okay. hearthackersclub.com. And, you know, I, I think that's important. You have, uh, you know, a library of written work that okay. editors and publishers can actually take a look at. So they know that, hey, this person can write. And so, and then I built that community from a very long time ago. I didn't know what I was going to do with that community, but I've had a loyal following of people because when it comes to, to publish, getting publish, they're looking for, do you have an audience that's going to want to, you know, buy what you have? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you got to start now for what's going to happen five years, 10 years from now. Okay. You can't say, I'm going to write a book and then tomorrow you're going to get your <laughs> right. deal, right? Set your expectations. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And, and so on the outside, it can look like, oh my God, what an overnight success. But no, I've been grueling at this for 15 years. Wow. And, you know, I wrote eight versions of my proposal. I was told by my first agent that my proposal sucked and that <sighs> he's like, I feel like I need to go on a re- retreat after reading this proposal. It's so stressful. And I was like, you do renew. (laughs) I actually have one for you. And I was so upset. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm not a writer. And I had, you know, a friend, my friend, Neil Strauss, who's a a really great writer and a mentor of mine. Who's like, you, their proposal's great. You're a great writer. You know, maybe do this, do that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get back on it. And I revised my proposal. And, you know, eventually that proposal was purchased by her Harper Collins. Um, So yeah, I mean, just put yourself out there. Know that it's going to take time. There's no easy shortcut. Right. Uh, you got to build your community, your following, and and be real, be authentic. You don't yeah. need the PhD, the credibility. Just be a, a human being. People are going to resonate with that. When yes. you share your story, you give permission for other people to feel what they're feeling and to go through what they're feeling. Yes, and that connection that you built, like a genuine, authentic connection with your community. When I shared about my eating disorders, there's so many women that messaged me and they're like, you were just, you just described it. Like I've never told even my husband, but they Mm. feel safe with me. It's almost like you said, I gave them permission, like me too. So I have built this community of women, but you're saying like, don't look at that. Like, look at 
what you're supposed to be doing, putting it out there to make another woman feel seen and safe and not alone. And who knows where it can go from there. Exactly. Do you have a new a renew coming up or how do people uh, sign up if they're yeah. interested? Yeah, so the next uh, renew breakup boot camp is an online intensive. It's three days. It's coming up the weekend after Valentine's. So it's okay. you know, nicely timed. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you can sign up at renewbreakupbootcamp.com. Okay. And then where can people follow you on Instagram and your blog? Yeah, Miss Amy Chan, M-I-S-S-A-M-Y-C-H-A-N on Instagram. My blog is hearthackersclub.com we have so much in common, like reading that book and like losing the identity and finding your purpose through your pain. I just, it resonated with me so much. Please write another one. Yay. And best of luck with whatever you have coming up next. Amy Chan, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart. So much great stuff in this episode. Channeling your obsession about your ex into something more positive, something that I've always lived by. We just had so much in common, like building our brands out of heartbreak. And it makes you think whatever you're going through right now, you never know what's coming next. This could just be a bridge to something else. Like she says in her book, trust the unveiling. You may have an expectation for your life. If that changes, don't look at it as a loss. Open your heart, like she said, open it wider than you ever have and trust the unveiling of what is next for you in your life. Somebody's having a hard time right now. We're around Valentine's Day. Trust the process. Get her book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart. It's on Amazon. Or if you really want the intensive, join her Renew Breakup Bootcamp. It's virtual. It's online. Follow Miss Amy Chan, M-I-S-S Amy Chan on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And... Go to tanteotequila.com and enter squats10 for 10% off your order. I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.